You are here this morning for a purpose. God has brought you here today for a reason. Something we've been challenging all of our church family through through the month of September is simply to ask a question. The question is, God, what part do you want me to have in world missions? Maybe God's calling you and saying, God says, I want you to go and to be a missionary. Maybe it's, it's you, you serve and work with your neighbors around you. Maybe it's a financial amount. And something we're challenging all of our church to do is to pray and ask God that question. Inside your bulletin and also on the welcome table are these cards, which are faith promise commitment cards. And this is a, a way for us to, in a positive way, make a commitment but there's nowhere for it on here on your name, for your name at all. But what it is, is we're simply asking people to help come alongside us to make a, a commitment in regards to faith promise missions. And faith promise missions is simply saying, God, you've placed an amount of money on my heart that by faith, I'm going to trust that you will provide over the next 12 months. And by faith, I'm going to begin giving. And whether it's weekly or, or fortnightly or monthly, however you give. On the card, there's, there's two different areas. There's, there's an area for you to keep and also an area for, for the church to keep. And the reason why we do that is for budgeting purposes. That way, we know that by faith, God's placed the amount of money on people's hearts. Therefore, we can go out and to, to serve our missionaries and to, to help reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. One other thing on here is not only is there an amount for, for finances, but also on the bottom, and I believe every single one of us can mark this part, is it says, I will pray for our missionary outreach. I'll pray for our missionary outreach. I would love to see every single person return one of the cards with at least that marked, if not on a financial amount. And then by faith, we can go out and to do great things. This last year, over $40,000 over and above our regular tithes and offerings was giving, given to World Missions. And because of that, we're able to financially support um, Jim Moore with the, the outreach that he has. We, have, we support a church in the Bankshire Grove in the northern suburbs of Perth. There's a brand new church called the Grove Church. We help it to start churches. But also we support Jeremy and Liz Pinero in Vanuatu. And Jeremy and Liz, uh, with their five girls, live on an island, and, and they live in a, a small town, but outside the town there is jungle. And uh, earlier this year, there was Cyclone Herald that came through and really devastated their community. Their own house was destroyed. They, were live, they actually had to uh, evacuate their house through the storm. Their church building was, was, was damaged, but also one of the outlying churches that, that they've been building was, was destroyed. That cyclone came through on a Saturday into a Sunday. We heard the word and the, and, the, and the destruction. On that Sunday, we as a church made a commitment that over and above their regular support, we were able to send them $6,000 because of what you just simply individuals saying, what part, God, do you want me to take? And we're simply following through with that. So here's a video from Jeremy Pinero about something that we had a part in rebuilding. Hi, uh, you're here with me in the mountains of... Uh, Big Bay Santo, a village called Vunikarakara, one of the furthest villages in the jungle. It's taken us eight grueling hours, crossing rivers 27 times, climbing up mountains to get here. And uh, we were actually going to be here in May to open up the brand new church that had just been built. Uh, now, as a result of the cyclone, you can see what is um, left of the old church building here. And uh, 
You can see all the benches here. There was a building right here where I'm standing on this site here. Um, you can see here is where the gospel was being preached. And uh, the building actually flew um, down into that valley down there. And uh, praise the Lord, didn't hit anybody, didn't kill anybody, but definitely well and truly destroyed the building. So uh, our plans are to rebuild. If by God's grace and mercy we can, uh, we can see that accomplished. We've actually cut, um, just the other day, the boys cut all this ground here and extended the building this way. And the concept is to now put the building facing against the wind rather than away from the wind. As you can see, there's a valley down here. You can see a bit of the village. Um, everything was completely decimated. It actually looks like a volcano um, exploded here or some sort of bomb. Uh, thank you so much for your prayers and your support uh, to be able to help us to reach these people in the light of gospel. Here we are. We are walking back from Karakara. Boys taking the hill. Heading back home. Ready for, uh, it takes about eight or nine hours to get up here. Um, I reckon maybe four or five hours to get back this is all downhill um, still hard though and very slippery you can see the village in the background there through this month is this theme of the month is activate missions and that the word activate is a word that simply means to make active we want to go from a head knowledge to an active faith. We want to go from just knowing about a need to say, I want to be part of fulfilling that need. And what we, we see in the, the word activate, the opposite of that word is, a, the, is, the antonym is to cut off, to kill, to turn off. And when I think about my relationship with God, I absolutely don't want to see it cut off or killed or turned off. I want to see it become active. And we see Jesus himself challenging us as he challenged his disciples at the end of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. Right before Jesus Christ left this earth, he challenged his disciples with some activate words. The word that says, go therefore. You see the activate word? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God wants us to be actively involved in his ministry. And he saved us, not just because, I mean, certainly he saved us with a purpose. He saved us because he, he knows us. And something we've been challenging the teenagers through this entire year, which kind of culminated last, over this weekend with the, the, the Friday night when they went down to a camp in Bustleton. And we were challenging them in regards to their response. Because it's all well and good to hear and to know there's a God that loves you, that cares for you, that has a plan and purpose for your life. You hear that and you go, oh, that's nice. What am I going to do with that? And what we want to do and what I really want to challenge you with, much like we challenge the teenagers with, is that we want to go from a head knowledge to a heart knowledge. We want to go from a, but then from the heart to the action. And that's a real under, key understanding, is that I want to not just know about God, 
from that, there's an action behind that. Our principle for today is this. God wants to activate gospel-centered character traits in my life. Gospel-centered character traits. The character traits that God wants you to develop is for a purpose. He's molding you and shaping you for a purpose. The real key is to ask God, God, what part do you want me to play? There's a lady named Corey Ten Boom. who was a Dutch lady who lived, and, and, and really as, as a mature woman, was living during the Second World War when the German army came through and began to take Jews and, and put them into concentration camps. And she and her family began to hide the, the, the hiding Jewish people because they were Christians. And then they knew that the, what that was happening was wrong and they could not just sit back and watch and do nothing. As a result, and after, after hiding hundreds of Jewish people and helping them go through the, you know, the underground railway system and, and, and escape to freedom, they themselves were captured and put into concentration camps. Corey's sister died father died and she alone survived after all of that she began to encourage others she wrote some powerful books and she began to encourage others and she made this quote now it's a, this is a quote that's easy to say when everything's been going good in your life but when you've had to truly stand up for your faith it says this there are no ifs in god's world no places that are safer than other places. The center of his will is our only safety. Let us pray that we may always know it. During times of difficulty, it's when our character rises, when who we truly are begins to come out. And my challenge to you is to go and, and allow God to develop the character traits in your life that he wants to develop so that you can go out and serve. And the, the thought process is, is that we don't are not active and then we develop the character traits and have God come alongside us. It is as God molds us and shapes us and develops us, we develop the character traits, and then from that, we go to action. We don't go to action and then develop the character traits. So therefore, we'll seek to develop the person that God wants you to be. We're going to use a man named Titus as our example. Give your Bibles open to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter number 8. We're going to get there in a few moments' time. Titus was a man that's fairly well known in Scripture because he has a book of the Bible written to him specifically, and it's called Titus. And he was a man, as described in Titus chapter 1, verse 4, as a man who the Apostle Paul loved. He says, to Titus, a true child in a common faith. He says here, I love you like you are my own son. And he's a spiritual son to the Apostle Paul. And Titus later on became the pastor uh, of a church on the island of Crete. And that's why the book of Titus was written to him, to set up the leadership there and to lay out the, the, the foundation for pastoral leadership on this island. But before that... Titus was a man who was really put in some very difficult situations. 
he had the pleasure of bringing some very hard-hitting letters to the church in Corinth, which is the book of 2 Corinthians was written to. And he's bringing these people these letters that are not easy to read, but they were hard-hitting. And he was a peacemaker. He was obviously had a, a great deal of organizational skills, and, and he was an administrator and also a missionary sharing the gospel. But he was given the task to go to Corinth and to collect and to help carry the offering that, that, that all the churches was beginning to collect for the suffering Christians in Jerusalem. The problem was the church in Corinth had made some great promises of what they were going to do, but they had not followed up with it at all. And here is Titus coming along. And so Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 about giving. But we're not so much talking about giving today because that's the action. We're talking about the character traits of a person that God is molding and using. And then from that, we naturally have action. And so what we see here in this passage is, is that Titus has been given a role that's a difficult role. And it's all about our attitudes and the way we're looking at things. And the character traits that we want to develop are this. There's four character traits. They are to serve God, reach others, glorify God, and also gospel partnership. Now, I notice some of you are already writing down on the notes and trying to fill the blanks in. So quickly take that off the screen before they finish them. I'll set me to pay attention the entire service. And <laughs> see, you messed it up for everyone else. The real key behind this, if we want those character traits, is that we need to ask God, God, what do you want to do in my life? And much like a couple of weeks ago when we had the Are You OK Day, where we were challenged to ask people the very important question, Are You OK? But it's one thing to ask somebody that question, and you may be asked that question, or you were asked that by somebody else. And maybe you had something, you know what? I'm not doing okay. I would like to share something with you. And the person asks you, are you okay? And it's right before you answer, they go, okay, and they walk away. Never to actually listen to the answer of are you okay. And in many ways, that's even worse to a person's self-image because they asked the question but didn't care enough to listen to the answer. But when we are asking God, God, what part do you want me to play in world missions? We need to stop and say, God, I want now I want to listen to the answer that you have for me. And in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verses 7 and 8, we have a well-known passage of the Bible that's often used in regards to giving and talking about our attitude behind giving. It says this, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. But it goes on, and it says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. It's all about the heart to the action not the other way around. So let's look at these character traits. We're going to walk through them very quickly this morning and encourage you to go back and develop these things in your life and to see areas in your life that you need to be molded and shaped by God. The first character trait is, and you can write this down, is to serve God. Life is not 
all about you and your plans. God has a plan and purpose for you that you that he can come alongside you and you can serve him in. That's exactly what we see in the life of Titus. Verses 16 and 17 of 2 Corinthians 8 says this, But thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care that I have for you. You see there that first of all, it is a God-given service. It's not our idea to serve God. It's God's idea that He places in our hearts. And that's exactly what He did with Titus. He placed it in Titus' heart to serve. And we all, that passage goes on. In verse 17 it says, For He not only accepted our appeal, but being Himself very earnest, He is going to you of His own accord. This is something absolutely beautiful. And this is not manipulation. Because sometimes with children, you can use reverse psychology, like they're crying, and then you say, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. But then if you tell them to do something, they they often do the opposite. You notice that with children? Like you say, don't laugh, and they laugh. Or don't pick up your room. Don't you dare pick up your room. And then they go, I'm going to pick up my room just to get you. Reverse psychology. That's not what God's using here. He's not using reverse psychology to trick us. He's placing something into our hearts. And so therefore, it is God-given. But then it's also, it's up to us to be willing to serve. And that's exactly the attribute that he wants from us. It's God-given service, but it is a willing service. That's where we see about our financial giving in chapter 9 verse 7 where it says each must give as he has decided in his own heart not reluctantly or under compulsion why because god loves a cheerful giver through each of the four points this morning i have a question to follow up and it's a simple one question what is one way that you are serving god you may be able to think of others but i just want to challenge you just to think of one What is something that God has placed upon your heart that you are willingly and actively pursuing? It's not your idea, it's God's idea. Maybe it's something big and scary and He's stretching you beyond what you believe that you can do on your own, but God's come alongside you and He's molding you and developing you the way He sees fit and you are just a willing participant in His big plan. Our second character trait is the character trait of reach out. The passage goes on and says in verse 18, we, sorry, With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for preaching the gospel. What a wonderful attribute to be known for. You're known among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. The gospel is a word that simply means the good news of Jesus Christ. He's actively preaching. Um, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ everywhere he goes, and that's what he's known for. There's a lot of things that I want to be known for. I want to be known as a, a good husband, a good father, a good friend, you know, a guy that takes care of, of things. When he says he's going to do something, he does it. There's a lot of character traits that we want, but the most honorable character trait I believe that I could be known for is to be known as a person that always shares the good news of Jesus Christ with others. Because that's the heart of Jesus. We see in Luke 19, verse 10, where it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's the heart of Jesus Christ. 
But Jesus Christ said that in chapter Luke 19. But later on in that passage, in verse 41 and 42, we see it actively lived out when he's looking over the city of Jerusalem. And as Jesus looks over the city of Jerusalem, he says this. And when he drew near, he saw the city. He wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. We need to take the opportunities that when they're given to us. I've asked Don Bone to come forward. He's going to give a testimony because this is exactly what, when I think of a person that takes opportunities that are not necessarily the easy opportunities, they're the hard ones. I often think of Don Bone. On Thursday afternoon, I had chest pains and after a lot of trouble in getting into the doctor, she sent me for an x-ray and I finished up in hospital yesterday. I just sat down waiting for the doctors to get me and I noticed some young dark-skinned girls. So I walked up to them and said hello. And they finished up being from one of our lovely Christian old ladies from Narragin. They're all converted and all received the Lord Jesus. <laughs> so I shared with them and they all testified to me. Now there were six of them, there was eight in the family. <laughs> anyway, I, I went to the doctor, he questioned me and uh, talked and for a while and then I said, do you have anything to do with Christianity? He said, no, nothing. So I was able to share the gospel with him and he received it. <laughs> and then they put me in a ward because they had to have examinations of all sorts of things. And they put me in the ward. And Aileen uh, was sitting there with me. I thought I'd get my Bible out, just read the Gideon Bible. So I started to read it. Next thing, there was a voice through the curtain that said, Read it louder. <laughs> <laughs> and so I read it louder and I talked to her and she actually happened to be a Mormon but she loved the word of God and she said I read my Bible every day so then a little bit later after dinner suddenly right, I started to sing <laughs> how great is our God she said sing it loud I want to hear it all <laughs> so that was the Lord putting me in a place I was there for a purpose to share the gospel there was another little girl from Kenya too who shared with her and again the Lord gave opportunity to share with her. So praise the Lord, I'm out of hospital today and it's my birthday tomorrow so a party. Okay. You take the opportunity when they're given to you. And I must say if there's any a time when you think, leave me alone God, I'm busy, is when you're in hospital. Thank you, Don, for that word of encouragement. And you, you're a constant word of encouragement. That's just not one week. Every Sunday when I see Don, he comes in and shares something. Let me tell you about who I told about Jesus today. And you're an inspiration to me and I'm sure to many others. And happy birthday for tomorrow, too. So with that, the question is, what is one way that you are reaching others? What's one way that you're reaching out? The third character trait is uh, really our foundational motivation to glorify God. 
1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's a foundational attitude that whatever we do, we're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing this for the glory of God. And we see that lived out in the life of Titus. In verses 19 and also 21, it says, As we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show you our goodwill. It goes on in verse 21. For we aim for what is honorable, not in the Lord's sight, Sorry, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of men. We see that when we glorify God, we naturally do what is honorable. And also, he says, we do this in the sight of men. In other words, they're being honest. And they were talking about the collection of the saints, uh, for the, the, the saints in Jerusalem. And they were collecting this money and they were giving them, he's giving him a, a resume of character and saying, you can trust this man Titus because not only is he good in, the, in front of people, he's also, he actually has the, the character traits of honesty behind the scenes before the Lord as well. Because what we do, we have a new motivation. We seek to motivate people. I'm going to tell a story that doesn't in any way line up with what Don was sharing because he's far more active. But this week, I, last week, I had the opportunity to help somebody because in our community, they, they have a, a Facebook residency page and someone said, I need help moving a couch. And so I said, I, I, I don't have time. So but they asked again later in the afternoon. I go, oh, I have 30 minutes. And they said on the post, we will pay you. Now, I was no way in the world I was ever going to accept money from someone to help them with a the couch. But it's kind of nice to be able to say no sometimes. And no, I'm fine. And then they say, aren't you so kind? Are you sure you don't want anything? And then you go, no, definitely not. And I caught myself because after I helped move this incredibly heavy couch and I moved it over and I put it, I said goodbye to them. They never even offered to pay. So I never even got the opportunity to say, no, it's fine. And I caught myself very early on with my attitude because I realized, and I think you do too, that what we do, we don't do it for money. We don't do it for people's praise. We do it for God's glory and for open doors of opportunity. Now I got to meet a new family that I had not met before in our community, and I'm looking for them, not because they owe me money, but because they're, I'm going to see them at the shops sometime. I'm going to have an opportunity to meet them and to to do to get to know them. I'm looking for opportunities to share the gospel with them because it's not about getting money. It's not about praise from other people. It's all about the glory of God. And the, because what we see is Jesus himself says in Matthew 5, 16, let your, shine, let, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So the question there is, what is one way that you are glorifying God? What's one way that you are giving glory, not from others, but to God? And the final is, it's gospel partnership. This weekend was a great example of gospel partnership. Not one person stood up and did all the work. In fact, most of the work was done behind the scenes when no one noticed. We had a number of young people go to, to camp, and then we had a tremendous youth event 
on Saturday night and there was a stage and you may think, well, I wasn't involved in that. But if, if you give and, you, and you're part of our church, then you, you did have an active role in that because over the last several weeks, we've been purchasing a number of, of really literally thousands of dollars of equipment with new sound equipment. We bought a new stage to be used outdoors for our Christmas programs and our youth camps and other uh, events that we do. We've been investing in things and then we want to see the overflow. We want to see what takes place. And it's not just one person, it's every individual working together. And that's exactly what we see in the life of Titus. It says in verse 23, As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. When we partner, we partner with our local church. We partner together with with others to reach our local community. We also partner together to to reach the world around us. And it's all well and good to say, well, I want to reach Vanuatu. But God called a family to go there to minister. And from that, they they have a, a, a they call a Bible school, which is a Bible college. And they're sending out men and families to, to, to begin new churches. And tremendous things are taking place there. And we're able to do that from here by prayer and also financially partnering with them. It's incredible what great things can happen when we work together. The heart of Jesus we see in Luke chapter number 10, verse 2. And maybe this can be your prayer. And you can personalize this and say, God, what part do you want me to have in world missions? We see this and it says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We are better together. So the question there is, what is one way that you are partnering with others? Our character traits are serve God, reach others, glorify God, and gospel partnership. Absolutely, we want you to be active in ministry. But let's begin developing these character traits in our lives now so that through that, God will be able to mold us and shape us to the active service that He has called us. You have your Faith Promise Commitment card there. My encouragement to you, if you've already made a commitment and God's placed something on your heart, and by faith you can mark that and you place it in the blue offering bags at the end of the service. I won't know who you are. It's not a matter of just basically it's for our encouragement and also for our budgeting. But if you have not yet placed one of those in the offering bag, will you just begin praying? And then next week, come ready to put it in. For the next two weeks, we're going to be collecting these, and then we'll, and then we'll celebrate. In fact, we'll collect them as long as you put them in any day. We'll collect it, and we'll be encouraged by it. But the next couple of weeks, we'll be collecting these and just being able to celebrate what God is doing in us and ultimately through us. So why don't you stand with me as we close in prayer. Lord, I thank you for your love and your care. Thank you for your word. You've given us principles in your word that apply to our life that aren't just to give us head knowledge, but Lord, we want to go from that to activity. We want to to know your heart. We want to, to find what is important to you and to join you in your work. So Lord, as you begin to mold us and shape us, Lord, I pray that um, as you do what you promised to do, you speak to us and you you guide us. Lord, I, I pray that we'll be quick to respond. 
And even right now as we pray, Lord, I, I, as you're, you're touching hearts and you are, you're molding and shaping people, Lord, I pray that we'll be quick to respond, to, to do the things that you want us to do and to be the people you want us to be. And in Jesus' name, amen.